Get ready to transform how you communicate and market, not only in business, but in your life. This is Marketing Matters. For more information on today's show and other topics, visit ryansowers.com. Here's your host, best-selling author and national speaker, Ryan Sowers. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another Marketing Matters with Ryan Sowers, powered by Our Town Gwinnett Magazine. We are broadcasting live on the End Results Radio Network inside the Perimeter Roofing Studio from the beautiful country in the suites by Radisson Hotel in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Super excited to have a great guest today. More to come on that, but I have Bill Crane colleague, friend, more to come, but with CSI Crane in the building. How you doing, Bill? I am great, and great to be here with my first cousin. Yeah. And uh, since I haven't seen you, to officially say congratulations, Dr. Sowers, because I know that your listening audience knows this for a while, but, you know, PhD is no big, no small thing in any family, and we're proud of you. Thank you. Well, I was letting, I was trying not to spill the beans on that other thing about my first cousin and having him here uh, you know, and I got to say to, to all the people out there get to see these shows, he was the first guy to actually identify me in college as a potential in this industry. And yet I turned down his very internship because I was, I was scared. How about that? I'll put that out there. So it took something easier, but we've circled all the way back to do what he said. Well, you know, you could have done this probably 30 years ago, but sometimes uh, it takes a little longer, but you still get, there. Yep, I never forget. Life Look, is marketing. This one great author has told me one time. So life, life is, life is a journey of getting there, but yeah, thank you for the, uh, the PhD. It, it was a, a journey. And as I've told a couple of people, 2022, just about, uh, this about killed me, but it's, uh, it's, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get old, but Bill, to, you know, obviously I know a ton about you, but you know, you started off, uh, you know, we talked about a fun fact. You had a show, Going back in time for the non-Atlantans of the world or a certain age, of, uh, uh, as a teenager on TV. I mean, i got to go back to how you started and all this stuff. Well, as you know, we grew up in a newspaper and printing family. Yes. And though I love our family, your mother and father included, I did not want to work <laughs> with the family. So I started looking at what could I do that was somewhat parallel and I was a child actor, and I was doing community theater, and I got a phone call first for a crappy part in a worse movie. <laughs> and then uh, Channel 2 was getting into children's programming, and by that I mean programming by, and by children, produced by adults, aimed at children. And they had something then called The Two Show, and there were four segments, and they rotated once, once a month in primetime fringe and the other three weeks of the month on Saturday mornings. And I hosted the talk show, Talk That's 2, right. from 1973 to 1977. And, you know, we all have bumps in our career. I was washed up the first time because I started getting acne and had braces. And right. they told me I had aged out of the demo. But it was a fun experience. I got to talk to the Osmonds when they were really something yeah. and a group that nobody has heard of anymore called the Bay City Rollers. And there were a handful of television shows that were produced in and around Atlanta back then. One was called Moving On, and I got to meet one of my football heroes, Rosie Greer. Rosie Greer, yeah. And Claude Aikens and the, and the cast of that program. Warren Oates, who was uh, actually the ex-husband of the female producer who also produced Today in Georgia, which was a big deal in the day. And so from, and I kid Monica Kaufman Pearson and some of the other folks at Channel 2, I've actually got a longer resume in terms of time on Channel 2, in terms of going back to the 1970s, than anybody that's on the air there now. Yeah, so d d Channel 2 became what for today's view? WSB-TV okay. and Action News, and they were actually starting calling it Action News when did. In fact, Monica came to Atlanta from Louisville, Kentucky, where okay. she had been an anchor, and I was cutting a promo with another young guy named Chuck 
uh, Murphy, who's now in Denver and the Colorado Public Radio uh, news host. And Chuck and I were having trouble getting the promos done, having trouble reading the teleprompter and cracking up. And I noted that the production booth staff are getting angry with us, more so than before. And I just see this beautiful black woman sitting kind of messing with stuff, fixing her nails over to the side, who I'd never met. And at the time, Jocelyn Dorsey was the only mm-hmm. African-American on-air talent at WSB, and she did the noon news. I didn't know, but Monica was about to be the 6 and 11 p.m. anchor and paired with John Pruitt. Oh, yeah. And so the station manager, A.R. Van Camfort, comes out of the back of the studio, sweat pouring off his face, <laughs> yanking on his tie, like, get off the set, <laughs> to uh, Chuck and I, and we didn't know what we'd done. And Monica stands up, and she says, Van, I'm sure that these young men, now that they know what the situation is they'll get it they're professionals they'll get it on the next take and by god we did oh wow uh and and then john pruitt came in who i was a lifelong friend as well and just had a great book that uh, came out last year's won him a lot of recognition and the two of them cut their six and eleven promos for the pairing that anchor pairing That's which right. was the beginning of a long run of emmys yeah, when, did, when did they start that pairing they, uh they, it would have been 1974 okay. and she was on the air as an anchor there for almost 40 years and john went over to channel 11 for okay. a little while and then came back and he finished Finished up at two, in 2012. In fact, when I was doing analysis for Channel 2 many years later, one of my great honors was to do the election night that Barack Obama ultimately won, but it was Barack Obama and Mitt Romney at about 2 o'clock in the morning doing the breakdown with uh, John Pruitt. Yeah, well, I mean, golly. You know what, and the thing, Bill, that just amazes me is uh, you, you know, you obviously, you know, mentioned our town, Gwinnett Magazine, and many, uh, many other things. You have your one man's opinion column in, but your detail for history is is amazing. I mean, um, it's like having Siri or Alexa. You know, uh, seriously. It's well, it's not all as, as you as you witnessed when we were chatting with your <laughs> one of your sponsors today that uh, auto recall is not quite as quick as it uh, used to be. But I, I there is a, my head is sort of like a hoarder on the right. inside, and so I it takes a little longer out. to retrieve it now. But I I read book, a lot of books. I'm online constantly. And there are certain characters in certain areas of time and parts of the world that I'm more familiar with, certainly the United States, say, sure. than, you know, Scandinavian history. Right. But but I find fascinating the evolution of certain parts of the country. In the American South or the Southeast, which, as you know, is the hottest region of the country, economically speaking, has been through a lot yeah. in the last 150 years. So I try to kind of specialize in terms of knowledge. That's my wheelhouse. It is. And, and you know, the columns— you know, the thing is of one man's opinion, which comes from our... Can I share? Yeah. So back to that newspaper family. We had a rather opinionated, (laughs) colorful um, grandfather that we share, William Clinton, not named for that Clinton, but there's a story (laughs) there too. Crane, uh, who everybody called Bud, and starting in 1974, the same year I started that talk show, he started a weekly column because he and my father, Jerry Crane, would argue, imagine that, over what the editorial positions of their newspapers and chain of seven newspapers at Peak should be. Dad was a little bit more of a chamber of commerce centrist guy. Bud was a little bit more out there to the right. Not not compared to today, yeah, but back to yeah, that time, right? right. Um, and so my father said, well, you can't write a column <laughs> for us. You can't write the unsigned editorials for us. And Bud goes, well, I'll just write my own damn opinion. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's that good. became one man's opinion, and he did that for 25 years. So... Years later, I was sharing Bud Crane's stories at a Georgia Press Association gathering with the owners of The Champion, who succeeded us as the legal organ in DeKalb. Mm-hmm. And Carolyn Glenn, she, Doc and Carolyn, are good time friends, said, uh, you should write a book. And I'm like, that takes a hell of a lot of time. Somebody's got <laughs> yeah. She says, well, then you should write a column. I said, I'll write a column. Somebody's going to have to pay me. She says, I'll pay you. So that's how the column got started back in the summer of 2009. And it's wow. now 1,000, 1,100 columns later. And yes. How, and, uh 
among the many, about 70 outlets around the state that carry it. I've got Our Town Gwinnett, both the North and South editions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's top notch and it's always fun. I mean, you did one, we got coming out and on teaser alert, uh, probably when the show will be live, but, uh, that we just did SEC in me. And I liked your column because I agree a hundred percent, which I don't even know what they're going to do with the East and West. I guess they're going to they eliminate go them. Yeah. But I have yet to hear what the new playoff system will be in the SEC. Do you even know? What has loosely been stated, and it's kind of like those granular rules are going to come later, is they're going to look at record and scoring and who you played. Right. Kind of like the, uh, the lead-up to the championship games where the scoring is yeah. by all these AP writers. Uh, and then they'll pick oh. from, and, and I see a lot of problem with that too. level of subjectivity. Yeah. Well, like you said, there's, you bring over what you said. I was just looking there's at your thing. There's five new the, teams and they're all west, west of Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. So I was just looking at your comments. You know, Norman's not on your bucket list yet, but you've got, you mentioned, I was sitting there going, yeah, I need to go to some of these places. Cause I told you just last weekend, I got to see Auburn for the first time. Sounds silly, but I, well, there'd never be no reason unless you had a kid. I, I mean, I, I had friends there and I went there because they were a rival and I've been there for many, many times, but I haven't been to, you know, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yet. Right. So I, I've still got a few SEC stadiums to get to. I will be in Austin when we open the series against UT next year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I guess, you know, when I went back to visit my alma mater, we, we both shared when Macon, because that was, I think, your first And that is career. a nice stadium, too. Now, yeah, now. But they asked, you know, all the people when I went down it's last year. It's upgrade from the trailer and the one-sided right. stand. In the intramural that we didn't even have a real football team. So the, the fraternity brothers were asking me, and said, well, did you used to go to the games? We didn't have a team. They said, what about the basketball game? I said, oh, that was at the Macon Coliseum. There was no it's, – it's a huge invention on the campus, but it wasn't like that when we went there. Well, so, and now Mercer has more students in Atlanta than they do at the traditional campus at their three Atlanta campuses. It's been our friend uh, Dean Denheiser. Uh, they've done a phenomenal job, Mercer, of really stretching. And, uh, you know, I love saying I'm from Mercer now. It's kind of like Georgia. You know, it's gotten better and better every year. Yeah, inflation, diploma inflation, yes, it I is. like to call it. Well, when you say it, I mean, it's, you know, like Georgia. I mean, you know, think about when we were applying to places like Georgia. It was a good school, but now it's almost impossible. No, in the day, you could pretty much just kind of throw your high school diploma at Here's the school Georgia, and get Georgia an acceptance yeah. letter. Yeah, nowadays. But, you know, I, hear I got family after family after family. And Barkley had a Zell Miller scholarship and then decided to go to Auburn. That's a, <laughs> yeah, another that's story for another, another day. day. But, yeah, uh, but, yeah, it has gotten very difficult even with a 4.0 GPA and a decent SAT score to get in. Yeah, and, you know, I see a lot of these people, they're going two years to the Milledgeville campus to transfer into Georgia. but uh, Or the Gwinnett campus or, the Gwinnett or campus. Griffin. Yeah, that, yeah, that's actually what I tell people now is do your freshman studies away. Your degree will still be uh, UGA. And, you know, of course, I had, you know, Kelsey Miles, she went to tech, and um, she makes school look easy. Um, she could probably finish the PhD and, you know, a true rocket time. scientist. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she just, you know, she's, she just knows how to do that stuff. But, uh, but, you know, so I wanted to ask, so, um, what, hold on, I lost my train of thought. So in terms of looking at, you know, uh, getting into media, was it, was it making where you had your first broadcasting experience after you come out of UGA? So you I finished program. at UGA and I interviewed several places and I got a couple of I wouldn't say odd job offers, but job offers I didn't think I would be a fit for. Like in Montgomery, Alabama, I think it was WCOV-TV. They were going from film to videotape in 1984. And they wanted me, because I'd just been trained in ENG, electronic news gathering, to come and teach all of their newsroom how to do how to shoot video. And I was like, yeah, I can just picture them (laughs) loving this 22-year-old kid 
from Georgia coming, coming into, into Montgomery. Montgomery, Alabama to tell these guys who are union guys who've been there for 25 and 30 years, this yeah. is how we, so I declined that opportunity. And then I went to Mississippi and it was a cool, it was a much higher pay and a cool opportunity, but I was flown into the Tri-Cities Golden Airport, oh. which is between Starkville and Jackson, and I can't remember the third city is. And Mississippi had, and still does, an agricultural 30-minute weekly Farm Bureau kind of report. Yeah. It's a big industry there before the gambling was there. And and so uh, the host, I'll never forget, Tyson Gare, takes me around the state. And we they were really whining and dining me kind of for a kid out of college. And he wanted to show me one of the most, you know, he thought, ex- exciting, scintillating pieces of video they'd shot in a few months. And the video was a story that had aired the week prior that started with an egg coming out of the chicken's hindquarters. Oh. And then all the things an egg goes through oh. till it lands in that styrofoam carton in your grocer. Okay. And it's actually pretty impressive, but I thought, <laughs> what other parts am I going to be pointing cameras at and where am I going to be doing it? And I'd been in a poultry house already at that point. And knew what the smell of vision of that was going to be. So it was $33,000 a year they were offering, plus free tickets to all the Starkville Mississippi State Bulldog games. But I declined. declined and on. so uh, I went over with a crappy resume tape. I had a fraternity brother who reached out, and he was the host of PM Magazine, which was a thing in the day, mm-hmm. in Columbia, South Carolina, Channel 10, WIS-TV in um, Columbia, South Carolina. And he said, come on over for a weekend. We'll use our cameras. We'll use all our equipment. And I'll be your camera guy, and we'll shoot you a new resume tape which we did and within a month i had three job offers one of which was from wmaz in macon which is where i started my sure. career okay and so so you know it's funny you say that i'm going back in time so you obviously you know remember the camera ready and all this we still to this day bill you'll find this funny i get people that call on as advertisers and i handle our sales because that's my thing I said if ha- what what uh you know what's the cost you know we're going to submit it camera ready i said i'll tell you what i'll tell you what let's say it's nancy if you submit it camera ready i'll do it for free I'm like, you will? I said, right. She's like, why is that? Do you know what that means? She's like, no. I'm like, then be glad you don't. You mean mean a PDF, right? She's like, yeah, PDF. I'm like, okay. So just be glad you can skip over that whole unit. But it's, it's, uh, to be honest with you, going back to the making thing that you helped set me up with, my lack of mechanical skills, like our great producer Francis here today, he makes all the magic work. I'm good at talking to me in front of the thing i was really nervous about the editing or what you're talking about what were they going to ask me to do and i was like can i actually do this because that's part of what they would want you to do as an intern or whatever and so that was kind of like at that point in my life i doubted myself i had taken the courses but you we only had at athens at the time one working camera oh okay and of the four edit bays the tv stations had donated the equipment only two edit bays that really were fully functional and you had a lot of project assignments. So you were literally seeing people editing at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning just because that's when you could get access to equipment. So I had found a couple of Francis's <laughs> who were extremely competent, and I would be the talent. Yeah. And I would write the package. So when I did accept the position in Macon and didn't understand that I wasn't going to have a shooter or an editor, that first day they sent me out to shoot a kind of a B.O. bite over in Gray, Georgia. You, right. you know, being in Macon, you're familiar. Right. Uh, and it was a charity event a basketball tournament and I was shooting off the shoulder but it was a three-quarter inch camera with a 30-pound deck and the battery lights and all. so that your viewers can't see my hand gestures but the camera's field of vision is doing this like <laughs> bobbing and weaving like I'm in the game and um 
person who was my assignment editor, later producer, news director, who's now runs the Grady College of Journalism's ENG campaign, a mentor of mine, Dodie Cantrell Bickley, who also was a ta- station manager in Macon and later in Jacksonville. I show her the tape, and she says, <laughs> I've seen better. Um, let's recut that again. So I cut it a second time. And she said, tell you what, it's a feature. We're going to hold this over to the morning news. And you're going to go back out to Gray because the sheriff there was is still a friend. But Therese, he's still sheriff. He was sheriff in 1984. Still he's sheriff. still the sheriff. Wow. He said, you're going to go back out to Gray and you're going to shoot it a second time. And Bill, the second time, it's not going to suck. <laughs> yeah. I thank her for that because as embarrassed as I was, I determined that in the next week or so, and I spent a lot of time not on the clock, just watching other people edit and learning the machinery, that that, that every other story I produced there in the three and a half years I was there was not going to suck. Well, it takes those moments in life where you're like, okay, let me get this right. (laughs) You know, and it's true, those poignant moments, like, okay, nicest way possible, make it not suck. Yeah, and the way way I actually, I think I got that job, I went down – uh, I had time maybe on three suits, but I put on my best three-piece when you did wear the vest and everything. Oh, yeah. And I showed up to interview with the news director, Tony Volsana, who lives in St. Louis now, still a friend. And he said, you're going to crew. Uh, we're going to do a live shot. The Mercer Bears are playing at the Megan Coliseum. And I'm in a suit, the only, you know, like I said, one of three suits. Right. Shiny shoes. And we get to the stadium, and I'm like, what do you need me to do? And he says, run cable. And he hands me this wheel steel thing helped weigh about 30 pounds with the cabling because a live truck back then was rare and we were the only one outside of atlanta and so from the parking lot of the macon coliseum yep. through the bowels of the coliseum up the stairs yep across the basketball floor to where they would let us put the, the live shot it was like 250 foot of cable mm-hmm. and so i did all that and all i did was take my jacket off and leave it in the live truck but tony said and this was before the this sucks this was just me being basically a grip he said he appreciated, and as I loosened the tie, unbuttoned the top button, and just did everything he told me to do. Cause for, you know, it's 90 seconds of airtime, but the front of it, the back of it, it was like two hours and change. And certainly I wasn't an employee then. And he said, I learned if nothing else, you had the hustle, you had mm-hmm. the drive. And he made me the job offer before I left town that day. You know, one of the biggest findings, uh, it's a great story, my dissertation was just flat out a couple of things. Grit, resilience flat out work ethic and you know in 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 some of that stuff of course well i think in today's world we got a lot of people with a get rich quick scheme let's be an influencer whatever it is and that's fine but uh, you know the ability to take a punch uh my my book that i'm working on is called you know pivot punch persevere um you know successful small business gritty small business leaders and i thought i would put that book out this year no way <laughs> we'll look at 2024 for that but but yeah it's just willing to do whatever it takes um and i've been in i've that been near bankrupted i've you know there there are a lot of things in the you know so, as an entrepreneur divorce, yeah that you just suck it up uh when barkley went away to college she had a zell miller scholarship she chose another fine institution mm-hmm. with out-of-state tuition um, I had left a high six-figure job with a global firm because my younger child was born and mm-hmm. Olivia had Down syndrome and there were some other medical complications. So I was sort of putting myself back together as, a, as an entrepreneur. And I made, a, I won't say his name, but I made a bad choice in an initial business partner and it yeah. nearly bankrupted us. 
and then those college bills start coming. And I, because I had purchased a condominium in Athens for Barclay, I had that. Then I bought a condominium in Auburn for Barclay so I could get in state. And I had an office condo that I'd lived in before the family upsized in, in Avondale State. So I had four house payments, four sets of utilities, four property taxes. So as I tell people, and they don't believe me, but this is the truth. I sold Plasma. I started an eBay video store. I start, and I still do that. And I still have a secret shopper account with these uh, Focus Group Global and Sago Insight where they pay you to go to a restaurant and have dinner. We remember that when I was at Chick-fil-A. Remember that? Yep. 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 I think you you were a secret shopper. I was. was That's where it's – so all of those other ancillary punky little sources – and it's one of the reasons I like the column so much because it's $50. You know, I don't even – Expect it, but it's like $150 shows up in PayPal or you know, because yeah, it's, just, it's something you it's write. resilience and it's it's an opportunity to if if you do take that hard punch and you get knocked on, you still have some sources of income. Well, you know, and the thing is, uh, once you've developed the following you have because you've done so much commentary, you know, done political commentary, I mean, you have national reputation, um, you know, I'll just, which I'll, cuts I'll, both ways, it's because but 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 you're not afraid to, I, I you know, I think with you and I both, um, I, I would say, you know, I. I'm I'm a very independent thinker on politics. I mean, I'm not asking for you to say it because that's your career, but I don't look at something as D or R. I I work for the person every time I've had one of those jobs. It's been for the person, Republican or Democrat. And you've worked on both sides. I have men and women, local office holders all the way up to U.S. Senate, who I believe were in it for the right reasons. And there still are a lot of people with the character and integrity and and the work ethic. Right. Not as many as we hear about because oftentimes the focus is on the adulterer or the philanderer or the person who has embezzled funds. or the We we take the spotlight and kind of supernova the screw-ups and we ignore the hard work. Chuck frustration and the people who really produce results for their community. And, and, And that's why I think you still see the anathema of local elections with high incumbency return rates. Because they trust that person. Right. It's not because they're lazy or because they don't care about what happens in their local elections. They trust that person. And so it takes something to develop that bond. But people like Paul Coverdale and Mike Bowers and Max Cleland and Zell Miller. Chambliss. Yeah, Zach Chambliss. I'm proud to have been associated with and assisted all of those folks. I tell my kids, you know, growing up, as you well know, I mean, uh, you know, we we, we spent our childhood being around those politicians. I mean, um, and what I mean by that, it was just common or when, when, you know, with the the professional athletes, Barkowski and those guys. So people are like, well, what's it like to interview so-and-so? I said, you know, just a person. I mean, you know. We had the advantage of, because we were – as they said in the day, if you worked for them, we were Fock. We were friends of Crane. Yeah. Family. Right. And so we, you know, the Easter paper in our little baskets and stuff like that. We were around. So I, when I first met Max Cleland, my, our grandmother, yep. Mary Crane, in addition to being the newspaper publisher, was the marketing director for oh. Suburban Plaza oh, Shopping yeah. Center. And it was 74, again, that WSB year. And he was running for lieutenant governor. And the Rotarians of the JCs, I forget which, had a 4th of July event in the shopping center and there were fireworks afterwards, and he gave the speech. And, you know, that's 50 years ago. I can still, not all of it, but I can still remember pieces of that mm-hmm. speech, but one of the lines, and he used it multiple times through the years, was he had a choice when he came back from Vietnam as a triple amputee with no legs and one arm. Was he going to curl up in a ball, cry, and live the life of a victim? Or was he going to turn his star, scars into stars mm. and inspire others and work for others and try to make something of his life? And he chose the latter. Mm. And I, you know, I, I, it still sticks in my head. And so when I went to work for him as his press secretary, 
a decade later, he was impressed that, and, and I met him a couple times after that before I worked for him, but that as a child, and I think it was 12, I was 13 in, in the parking lot watching this guy, and I just thought, wow, that, because I wouldn't have the guy, I mean, he had to be lifted onto the stage yeah. because it was they didn't have ramps. This was way before the yeah, American ADA, with Disabilities yeah. Amp. Um, had to be lifted in the wheelchair onto the stage and then trust the people, who some of whom were getting spirited on that spiritual holiday, to carry him down. And, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the house when he got done giving his remarks on the 4th of July. So think I've had those wonderful, and I won't bore your listeners with all the stories of those kind, but those are the things that make you really seriously feel like there are good people out there. We just got to find them and support them. And people aren't sometimes not even willing these days to put a yard sign in their front yard because they might make their neighbor. Well, I'll tell you, Bill, if, you know, for my column, uh, seriously, my wife was saying one time, she goes, if everybody, I write a positive encouraging column, but everybody reads into that what they want. They don't know, unless they know me really well. I told you, I think independently, and I know you do too, is it is it a conservative person with you know, going to be good with the taxes? Is it going to be somebody strong with our military and treat them right? Is it I look at all of it. It's not a matter. On the other hand, if they're more liberal on this, I'm like, okay, I agree with that too. So the D, R, or L for libertarian or whatever it is, probably the L of all of them is probably closer to, I, I mean, I don't really, I, we really need three. Like you get three quotes for, for most things. But I think you wrote a column about that one time. That's just hard to get. We that may third get party. it eventually, but it's difficult. The stat, the apparatus, and the it's, the advantage that the Democrats and Republicans have of so list building strong. and finance, yeah, and the incumbents that want to stay in office. Like you said, the closest I can recall, I think, was what Ross Perot, uh, and that was with I, that pointer doing <laughs> the debates and night. They're gonna do it. Not gonna, <laughs> not do, gonna it. do it. That's what the, I had the George Dana Carvey George W. Bush imitation down when I, uh, I had that one down. But wouldn't be prudent. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. Um, all right, so let's talk real quick. So you um, have had, you got, uh, I'll say, two beautiful twin, your grands, grandsons down there. Who are two, three? They just turned three, Carter and Callan uh, Carson. How was that? How was that being? A well, let's just say. You, give me a little foreshadowing to this. First, I'll say, of all the things in life that I never would have thought you could underestimate, being a grandparent really? is at the top of that list. And so... You know, you know I'm vain. You know that I, you know, like younger women. I'm just being called grandpa and all these things I was not looking forward to. Right. Uh, and also, I was concerned. Barclay had had two very challenged pregnancies that ended in miscarriage, and it was very mm-hmm. emotionally traumatic for her and her husband. That when we were told twins were coming, and that it was going to be a difficult pregnancy, and then in the midst of um, the beginning of of the pandemic, she has to go essentially check in almost two months ahead of their their premature birth at Northside Gwinnett. And I just thought, I I was so afraid it was going to end in tragedy. And the two of them came nine weeks early, and they didn't get to come home. They were born September the 18th. They didn't get to come home until after Thanksgiving, both of them. Um, But those boys... Uh, they've now they've been through a lot uh, illness and otherwise they've had COVID they've had uh, one uh, Carter has a number of digestive issues we're still dealing with but every time they get home from the hospital they are so resilient they're bouncing off the walls and uh, with them this past Sunday uh, because of Bud Crane I suggested to Barkley because they have multiple grandfathers that I be Grandpa Bud which didn't put a smile on Dad's face yeah I can but. Imagine. So at, at the age of three, and one of them has a slight speech impediment. That, you say they're calling you Bug? Yeah, Gampa Bug. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, bug, B-U-G. That. Yeah, so, it, but the, those two running at you, 
smiling and getting excited when they think they see your truck or whatever. It's a, you can't really explain the they joy. Were, they were born, I'm saying, Brooke, you know, my daughter, she was 30 weeks and three days. And it's funny, at 16 now, we're just starting to see some of the, you know, we've seen all the athletic stuff. She's done great in school, but a lot of things uh, that are just starting to show up now. And we forget, you know, it's 10 weeks early that you didn't. I mean, it's 25% of the gestation yes. period that that they weren't fully done yet. Right. And it's some of it's just showing up. We're seeing even at this age and we have to remind ourselves, I mean, she's a, a miracle a blessing, you know, and just, just like the voice, but, uh, but yeah, you got to go. I don't have that yet. And secondly, I'm outnumbered with all the females. So I've, I'm well, when it starts happening for you, I have a feeling it's going to be a cascade. And then suddenly you're going to go from those family pictures where there's five of you to like 12. <sighs> yeah. I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I'm losing my man card. I'm almost forgetting what it's like to be a guy. Cause I'm also outnumbered. And then it's the girls and their friends, they're, they're, you know, and, and, you know, all sports and I learned, and I have two daughters. I learned a long time ago and two ex wives and all that fun stuff. Just, Say yes about eighty-five, ninety percent of the time, yes. but dig in. On the big ones. On the big things, yeah. five to seven percent, and say, no, "I'm sorry, I'm just we're not doing this." Yeah, and to to maintain a little bit of control and to also That's, help them understand that there are limits. I will tell you, people ask me all the time with raising daughters. My wife can say something to them, and they're over it in ten minutes. I say something at the wrong thing at the wrong time; it could be a month. I mean, of of just shortness, and that's that's tough. I mean, that's a, you know, and people we had say, a very difficult time when Barkley was an adolescent and in the, in the front of that with Olivia. And so the way I learned to handle it a little bit was no matter what I said, because of the circumstances of the divorce, it was strained. And those adolescent years yeah. are very tumultuous and emotional. I know I'm not supposed to say that in this day and age, that's but true. they are. It's true. Um, but again, try to be as supportive as you can, as often as you can. So Olivia was with me two weekends ago and. She and her mother are having kind of disagreements about what she can and can't wear to school and how she wears her hair. And her mother, because it's easier to get it out of the way, puts it up in braids every day. Well, she's starting to look a little like Cindy Brady. Yeah. And she doesn't want to look like Cindy Brady as a high school freshman. So she comes to my house. She lets her hair down. She brushes it all out. She puts all on her makeup, which her mother won't let her do. And she says, Daddy, I just want to be pretty and have a boy like me. And I said, I understand, honey. And we went to the park. And if I had instead said put the hair back up in braids, sure. it would have been a very different weekend. No, I mean, you have to. And, you know, it's funny, Bill, uh, Kelsey, my oldest, said the other day, and, you know, going through different boyfriends and this, you know, you'll go through, I went through times where, you know, we're, we're not even going to have a relationship, you know, we're, we're going to blah, 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 to, you know, I told her the other day, I said, I am so proud of what you've, she says, also, I had a, a one guy in my life one time said, if you want something bad enough, you'll find a way, and if not, you'll find an excuse. And she was talking about, man, I just said, but finally, like you've seen with Barkley, when they get to the other side of being an adult, I mean a true adult, not, you know, my metal one thinks just because you turned 21, that, that doesn't mean anything except another license to, uh, to, to to go to another bar. I'm like, you've been been doing well, I won't say it, but you've been doing that for a long time anyway. But Now it's but, official. Yeah, now it's official. And, you know, and, but, but you know, in, in all seriousness, it is, as you've seen, because you get one older than me, seeing like them really become an adult. But I'm not seeing the grand, grandchild thing. And I do... I don't know what that looks like or feels like. You will. I mean, I can tell you without knowing the circumstances or when it's going to happen, you're going to love it. And it's the only, the only world, hardest right? part now is they've just moved again, and so they are now almost 30 minutes from Athens. So uh, getting to see them is harder because yeah. it's an hour now. It's a little bit further. Uh, but they've, they, you know, they've got a grand house, and they're in Walton County now. Okay. Uh, still able to get your magazine on the Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. with and, a chick uh, out there. Yes, sir. And they— 
wanted to be in that school district. Yeah. Well, it uh, makes good sense. Well, man, we're going to have to do this. All right. So well, let's tell real quick, just tell everybody about CSI, you know, the, the three letters it stands for, but what you, I mean, you, you've done so much in your career. It's hard to even cover it in 30 some odd minutes. We could go luster, but I know you do consulting, you know, globally, nationally. So I worked for an international company called GCI Group, which was a part of Gray Advertising and Gray Global Communications. And they came and opened their offices here in Atlanta in 94. I didn't go to work for them until 2000. But they were Gray Communications International. And then little then Gray Communications of Albany, Georgia, sued them on name use. J-R-A-Y Gray, G-R-E-Y Gray. J-R-A-Y Gray, which now owns the Gwinnett. Daily Post and all these other publications around here. Now, Great Television all came out of that company. Okay. Um, at the time, was much smaller, but they had first use, so they won the lawsuit, and GCI Group had to stand for nothing, meaning they couldn't say Great Communications Airline or just J. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. GCI Group. So you'd be working uh, in on an assignment for Aflac or Johnson & Johnson, and they're paying you millions of dollars, and they'd say, what, is, what does GCI Group stand for? <laughs> and, in, you know, with gritting my teeth, either I'd tell them that story or I'd say it stands for nothing. Okay, I didn't know that. Which no one cared for. So when I did leave them after Olivia was born in 2008, I was trying to figure out what I would call my company. And after that not great partner relationship, I thought, well, what do I do? Yeah. And to help, help people with reputation management and crisis concerns so I communicate. We build strategies and tactics around those messages. So it's strategy and it's strategic. And then how do we pick what we're going to do? And I believe you you build your messages on intelligence and data. Yeah. So CSI actually stands for not crime scene investigation. That is intentional. The sure. Communications, strategy, and intelligence. And um, we do a little bit of all of those things, but we have the Morehouse School of Medicine, the Georgia Sheriff's Association, the city of Brookhaven, the city of Lawrenceville, the city of Norcross, Douglas County, um, Several nonprofits, the same house, which was, um, you may know, may have met uh, the gentleman who for a long time ran the Chick-fil-A Foundation, Rodney Bullard, when you mm-hmm. were working with that yeah. company. He started the same house, and it's kind of a level the economic playing field, private sector, instead of transfer payments, right. build people up, but build them up with loans and things, private sector capital. Um, and other entities like Stone Mountain Park and Stone Mountain Memorial Association, most of my clients have been with us. 10 years now. The business is 15 years old this upcoming year. And I'm very proud of that. And uh, we have an opportunity now in Boston that I hope we land with the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. It was a former client down here. But as I was telling them yesterday, the people that are paying the bills today, like your sponsors behind you, they got first priority. And their deadlines get met and those commitments get met. And when I can, I will put together the proposal for you. I want the business and I'll staff the business. As you know, you 1099 and bring in more people. Sure. But not until the people that are already here you gotta take care of them. get taken care of first. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you know what's interesting? I don't know. You might know this data, but in my dissertation, so small business defined by the United States government is to 500 or less people. Now, obviously, you know, most of them are way smaller than that. Okay, so it's the backbone of our country. 99.9% of all businesses are small businesses. I don't know if you know the failure rate of the first five years. is 50% historically. And some sectors as high as 50 to 75%, yeah. and restaurants like 90%. And so people, as my study was before, through, and after a pandemic, and others, all the things we dealt with, not just COVID, but the, the inflation and, and supply chains. So then people ask me after, well, what about the people that started during a pandemic? Like, ask somebody else. <laughs> I didn't study that. You know, I'm a hypothesis of it, but I see a lot of people, and I'm like you, you know, kind of started – <laughs> kind of started with, well, I've got talents. I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do. 
And I tell my kids. And you were in the family business too. And so I was. But when I left, it's, you know, uh, as I explained to somebody a lot too long ago, I said, just because you know people doesn't mean they're writing you a check. You know, and I had to tell my business part of that a hundred times. Just because someone will let you buy them lunch or maybe go to a Braves game or play golf with you does not mean that they're going to hire you. Bill, when I was early on in my career, one of my fraternity brothers who's, you know, he let's put it, he lived across from George Steinbrenner growing up. We were in, you know, I said, I got this lunch. I just incorporated maybe in 2010. And um, I said, I got it. I'm going to expense it. And he goes, expense it to what, Sowers? You don't even have any money. And, I'm, and you know, it, or 2009, whenever it was. But, but the tax code is yeah, very helpful yeah, to small businesses. Yeah, but, 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 it, but I was trying to act like, you know, you know I'm going to You were be being a wheel. Yeah, right. I was going to be. But you realize, uh, yeah, I mean, you can know a lot of people, but that doesn't mean they're going to hire you. That doesn't mean they need you. It, it's, it's tough. And I tell our kids a lot of times, you know, there's a couple of years when you're rebuilding a business from scratch. I said, you know, I can't make those money come back. You magically, you don't, you don't get that income to come back. Well, there's, there's a another mentor of mine, and I've been blessed in that regard. Another University of Georgia professor. He now is finishing up his career at the Griffin campus. But Dr. Perry Buffington, who was also a syndicated radio show host, had a column for a while in USA Today. Every time I speak with him, and usually he calls me asking for something. Every time I speak with him, he wraps the conversation up by saying, "Is there anything else I can do for you today?" Wow. Now. I know the trick. I've read his book. He called me to ask me to do something for him, but the the parting shot that the you know is he did something else, and and it's he didn't. And I mean, I'm not dissing you, no, Doctor no. Bob, but it it's just a simple. And another thing, I will tell you this is back to raising a child in the middle of cer- tough circumstances. Barkley, as a youngster, had night terrors and had lots of issues when she was not at her mom, mom's home. And I was asking Dr. Buff, is there anything that I can do to help with this? And he said, does she have a clutch? Does she have a security blanket? Does she have anything that she kind of carries with her place to place? Yeah, she has this little terry cloth thing called Dolly. She still has it. And he said, douse it in your cologne. What? What? Yeah, right. He said, she will start to associate your smell with, with security that, with that. and feeling safe. She won't know. <laughs> her mother did that you <laughs> right yeah yeah doused the stuffed toy with you she will just begin to associate and so and and barkley probably six years later says to me you smell like dolly that's funny but but i mean you know kelsey my um who's in medical school she said not too long ago this is where as you get older your kids teach you stuff and she said you know what dad you should ask people with somebody, a f- close friend that was really struggling with something, but didn't really want help, if you you know what I mean. You kind of check it in on them, but they just respond when they feel like it. And she says, instead of saying, I can do this or this, she says, uh, what is your thing? Um, how can I help you? Yeah, or do you need anything? Or do you need anything? She said, give them a, she goes, this is what we learned in medical school. Give them a tangible item to say, how can I help you? And I did, and, you know, got no response. She said, then you can't help somebody. That yeah, they have to be willing to be helped. I mean, you, and I you know, again, yes. we, we have a cousin missing, or I have a brother yes, missing. we do. And uh, Brian was someone we all offered different but, kinds of assistance but, to. And occasionally, you know, he was good at taking a financial assistance. Sure, but you But can't trying to help that. him find a path. He just wasn't willing, and you know that his last day on this planet, I was knocking on the outside of his door, mm-hmm. and I heard him on the inside, and I almost broke the door in because he had not been home for Christmas or Thanksgiving or Mom and Dad's birthdays or whatever. And, but even if I'd done that, even if I had helped extend his time here a little bit longer, 
he made choices that were just not going to make it a long experience. So the people have to want to be helped and willing to help themselves, and then you can help. They have. And in watching your, your journey and your um, everything, you know, I think you said something and, you know, have a backup plan in life. I would say your journey is impressive. But I've been saying to people, you know, have A, B, C, but D, E, F, G, H, I, G, J, because life and business, I mean. No matter how good a plan <laughs> you've got, there's going to be an interruption. There's going to be a pandemic. There's going to be something you never could plan for. So always be ready, as you've said in your next book title, to pivot <laughs> to something else that you can do. And and oftentimes circumstances will make you make those choices whether you want to or not. Yeah, and I think I might be the first time in the public I've actually announced that book. So, uh, but but I've been the means, pl- you get, the means you're committed y- and y- you've well, got to finish. I, I've been telling people hinting at it, but it took me two, 18 months of fiddling with ideas to go. This is what I want to say, and this is what I learned. But but you know, how am I going to tie the, the real research into a, a you know a non academic book? Well, I've been working on two, and I'm not going to sell you the titles, but I'll tell you one of them is sort of a family history. And I mentioned this when I had the trip with Dad. And he's like, "You're writing a book." <laughs> And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, what are you waiting for? And I said, well, quite frankly, Dad, a few more of y'all to die. Because <laughs> I don't want to spend the rest of my life arguing over which version of memory. Because one of the things you get to do when you're the author, it's your version that gets in print. Right. Exactly. That, that's very true. Uh, the free rights of uh, publishing it, 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 it still, <laughs> still exists. It's just like this. You know, you're not controlled. You're not, you're not cut off. You know, we, we went extra time today because you and we're going to have to do this again. That's I'll be fun. happy to come back. Or maybe we, uh, we, we're going to, we, you and I both share this through social media, but maybe we bring in a couple of our mutual friends or people and have a, a four man and you can help well, me. I would love Craig Camuso and some of the other folks yeah. that you run with. Uh, you were talking about R- Rodney. Yeah, uh, you know, I know I've, I've talked, but, but maybe we bring a couple of guests. I would on love and, to. Yeah. That'd be fun. Get you over here. And, uh, well, I appreciate, I'm going to, I'm going to close this out because, uh, we, you and I could go on forever, but this is fun stuff, man. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, let me close this out. Um, Thanks uh, for tuning in to another Marketing Matters on the End Results Radio Network inside the perimeter roofing studio from the Country and the Suites by Radisson. Special thanks to my cousin and colleague and friend, Bill Crane, for being here today. Thanks again, Bill. Uh, please stay tuned for upcoming shows or listen to past shows. You can go to endresultswithaz.com, and you'll see a click current shows button there, or just go 24-7 where you get your podcast, Spotify, Amazon, um, iHeart, etc. Till next time, thanks again to Bill Crane for coming on the show. It's been a great show, everybody. And this is Ryan Sowers signing off. It's been another Marketing Matters with Ryan Sowers. And until next time, make your marketing matter. This has been Marketing Matters with Ryan Sowers. For even more advice, visit ryansowers.com. That's R-Y-A-N-S-A-U-E-R-S dot com.